0: I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all.
1: Way back and
0: gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game for game. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Ball. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All right, welcome to another episode of the Touch 'em All podcast. And Derek Wetmore, we don't normally dive into breaking down individual games on this podcast because people listen at different times. Usually we record on a Tuesday, and a lot of people might listen on a Wednesday or Thursday. And by then, because it's baseball, two or three other games have been played and whatever. But the Twins were down five to nothing last night as we record this and scored 14 runs on 21 hits to come back. And wipe the floor with the, I believe, second best record in the American least uh in the American League at Baltimore Orioles, maybe third, Astros Yankees Orioles in that order. And I actually just jotted down a bunch of things from that game last night that I think apply to a bigger picture. If I if I could humor you with this. Yeah. These. Did you jot down five thoughts? It was six. There I didn't want six of them. <laughs> I didn't want to create a copyright issue. Don't cramp on the bit, man. In fact, I had five thoughts written down. <laughs> Yeah, and then figured maybe I'll add a sixth <laughs> just in case Derek gets mad. at Yeah, well, future reference, I wouldn't get mad. I've had people <laughs> tweet me their five thoughts after the game.
1: I actually think that's awesome. Like, I don't own that. Do it. I want to hear them. I have one guy who's tweeted me. He t- tweeted is it me just five thoughts game? on the Twins, or is it five thoughts on anything? Whatever. Five thoughts on, uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I probably won't retweet it if it's on something non-baseball, because that's the Hashtag brand. Um, but if you've got five thoughts on um, on mindfulness.
0: How about The Bachelorette?
1: No, I won't retweet that. It's That's your premiere last night? I'm not trying to cramp on your bit. <laughs> this this arrow is now pointed in the I'm other gonna direction.
0: Start, I'm going to start a five thoughts column on just The Bachelorette on our sister station, MyTalk one oh seven one, and see what happens. Observation number one from the twins destroying the Oreos last night. Miguel Sano is a legit MVP candidate. If the MVP vote in the American League took place right now, I still think Mike Trout would win because he's Mike Trout and he's even more Mike Trouty than usual this mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Miguel Sano, probably right in there at number two, but definitely receiving serious consideration for American League most valuable player. Do I think his performance dips at some point? I, he's not a 315 hitter, and I believe off the top of my head, his batting average on balls in play is like 475 or 480 right now. It's just absurd. You thought it would drop a week ago and and it's he just keeps hitting line drives all over the place. Yeah. It's not batted ball luck for him. It's not that he's getting a bunch of dribblers to go through or fly balls to drop in. He's just hitting the ball so ridiculously hard everywhere and at some point he's probably just going to go into a slump where he doesn't hit the ball as hard. He's going to have his batting average yeah. drop. But as it stands right now, he is an absurd hitter. Yeah, and he's
1: mixing it with defense, too. It's not just that he's a DH that they stuck at third base. He made a play last night, as long as we're focusing on minutia sure. here on this podcast. He did make a play where it's a charge play, and you normally see him make that, barehanded no double pump, just coming in on the run, scoop throw off his left leg, and he's so strong that even if he's throwing across his body like that, it's just a bullet to Maurer and the guy's out. He did kind of like mix up the transfer. I don't know if it was wet in Baltimore or something that he tried to barehand it and it just didn't work. Um, So there are some nitpicky things that I could say about his defense, but he's legitimately playing a good third base and the arm makes up for a lot of that other stuff that you might want to poke holes in. Um, On the batted ball conversation, regression is going to be an interesting thing because I think everyone agrees even if you're not a stats nut, say, okay, is he going to keep this pace up all year? Maybe not. Um, but my question is, like, how far does this have to regress? Because you'll hear from There'll some people. do be a people, high
0: Babbitt guy regardless because he hits gonna the say, ball hard.
1: You'll hear some people say, well, the league average Babbitt, its batting average on balls in play, is about 300, maybe 305, depending on the year. It kind of fluctuates. But let's just say 300 for the ease of math. And so some people, I'll see this on Twitter a lot well, he's going to regress and watch his batting average fall by 180 points. No, that's, to me, what I'm watching for the regression is he is not going to continue to kill the baseball more than anyone in the recorded era ever has. Like, that part is going to go down. If he keeps doing this, if he continues to have one of the best batted ball profiles uh, of, you know, the StatCast era anyway... Well, then he'll hit for such a high BABIP that yeah he might be a 300 hitter. I legitimately think he could be if he keeps this going. The question then becomes: Does he keep that going? It's hard for me to say that he will, but one encouraging sign is that pitchers are already not pitching to him. How many watch a game and only pay attention to Sano's plate appearances? Because, I mean, things happen in a baseball game. Your attention waxes and wanes, just like mine does. But if you only watch Sano's at-bats, look at how many pitches he's given an opportunity even to hit hard. And then when you see that it's only two a game, and he still hits four balls on the screws, his performance becomes even more mind-blowing. And that's what's impressing me so far about him this season.
0: Yeah, he leads the major leagues, according to Fangraphs, in hard-hit percentage. So I think it... Would then go hand in hand. That if he's hitting more balls hard than any other hitter in baseball, he would also have a higher batting average on balls in play yeah. than almost any other hitter in baseball. Um, but you brought up the the three like let's say the league average BABIP is three ten or three hundred or whatever it is yeah. three somewhere between 300 and 315. Well, that's league average. That includes the worst, the guys who don't make hard contact, the yeah. guys who are plotting and slow, and um, and and the guys who hit a lot more pop ups than Miguel Sano does. Miguel Cabrera is probably a better comp, just a great physical specimen. Both have similar body types, kind of a bigger body type. Miguel Cabrera, and both hit line drives to all fields, yeah. hit towering home runs. So, I mean, Miguel Sano has a lot of Miguel Cabrera like qualities. He's even brought Miguel Cabrera's name up as a guy he wants to watch film on and emulate. Mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera's career batting average on balls in play is. Three fifty, three fifty-five ish. Okay, and he's not a speed demon, right? So he doesn't get the benefit of hitting a ground ball to short, beating it out, and and raising your batting average on balls in play. So I think if Miguel Cabrera hits three fifty career and like three seventy, three eighty at his peak in his early to mid twenties, batting average on balls in play, that's a more accurate regression point. Just to go super deep in the stats right. on the listeners, right well, there. <laughs>
1: well, and and if you're not a stats person, and that's all mumbo jumbo, what I what I would and I just say, made all of that up. By yeah, the way. yeah, I am. I'm impressed. Totally. And how how about a little hat tip to the uh, the Robin to your Batman for just nodding along the whole yeah. time, and saying, "Yeah, this way, yeah. <laughs> totally, Phil. That makes a lot of sense." Yeah, dude. I will say that uh, just from like the the more scouting perspective is that he's crushing the ball. You don't need hard hit percentage to see that. You don't need exit velocity to say. Miguel Sano is scalding baseballs right now, and you also don't need that stuff to say they're not giving him pitches to hit. He's doing what he's doing with pitchers actively pitching around him. They play the Twins. I guarantee you the the pre series meetings for every pitching staff on the other side starts with how do you get Sano out, and since we can't, how do we pitch around him? And that's why Max Kepler is going to start to be important here. Um, Maybe that's one of your observations. So I won't. I won't uh, spoiler the Thunder or anything.
0: Actually, just to just segue, it literally is the next thing. that Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco won't headline the lineup, but they're both damn good hitters. That's okay. observation too.
1: I like it. I like it. Uh, Miguel Sano, just to tie up that point, is that I looked this up the other day. This was maybe four or five days ago. Maybe it's changed. It's still going to be close. No hitter, no regular hitter. So have enough plate appearances to qualify for the batting title. About three plate appearances for every game you've played no hitter is seeing a lower percentage of fastballs, which validates my point that no one's pitching to him. Opponents are saying, all right, how about the other day? When hmm. He gets down to, Is this was yesterday, he was 1-2, and you could see, I don't remember if it was still Jimenez in the game. I don't think so. I think there was a reliever. Sano gets himself into a 1-2 count, and most hitters in a 1-2 count, basically hapless. Mm-hmm. Go up, look, any great hitter, his numbers go down with two strikes when he's behind in the count there at 1-2. Sano works it back to a full count and crushes a home run like yeah. that's Miguel, that's incredible that he would even do that in the box score you see home run and you think oh yeah good for you but then you see the plate appearance they didn't really give him pitches to hit and then if you make a mistake out over the plate it's as good as gone that's to me what's just like blowing my mind right now about his performance through basically seven weeks of an MVP pace it's yeah. he's he's ridiculous
0: right now yeah and so he I, his regression, other players' regression might be crash back to earth, back to reality. Like Mike Pelfrey, when he had a 2-7 ERA in the first half a couple of years ago, that regression is going to be nasty and ugly and a reality check, it's going to be bad. Miguel Sano's regression is still going to involve 25 or 30 more home runs this year. <laughs> right, Probably 100 more RBIs from this point going forward. Maybe a start in the All-Star game? Yeah. yeah so, maybe not
1: Machado, but
0: there will be an All-Star game in Miguel Sano's very yes. near future. Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch Em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Um. I gave you the the second one. We don't have to spend a lot of time on Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco, who both had a bunch of hits, and Polanco drove in a game-winning run over the weekend. I'm a big
1: Kepler guy. I just want that on the record here in this podcast. I'm... Especially
0: against, against right-handed pitching, mm-hmm. he is one of their three most dangerous hitters. I'm putting Sano in that top three against any pitcher right. with yeah. any repertoire. But Kepler against right-handed pitching is very dangerous. I think Kepler's their
1: second-best hitter against righties. Um,
0: I wrote the other day on the website, just for a cheap plug, um,
1: that that's sort of the next evolution for Kepler, and hitting left-handed pitching. And I talked with Molitor about that. It's kind of a difficult balance for them because he's really struggled against lefties, as has Eddie Rosario, and that's totally normal. Young left-handed hitters struggle to hit left-handed pitching. In fact... The platoon split lefty on lefty, there's evidence to suggest over the last like 10 years that it's harder for lefties just to hit lefties than it is for righties to hit righties. And kind of just my guess, I don't know if this is why, but you just see more righties. Mm-hmm. So a right handed hitter, I would say that's even accurate. though, you know, even though pl- the platoon split's gonna favor the pitcher, mm-hmm. it's not gonna favor him as much because you've got practice three times as often against righties as a lefty will against lefties. So long winded point aside, if Max Kepler becomes even just like a decent hitter against left-handed pitching, and Molitor can kind of find the right at-bats to get him. Uh, he drew a tough walk against Mike Minor the other day when they brought in the lefty just to face Kepler. Uh, last week he got a hit against Andrew Miller, just a smoking line drive. Miller might be the best lefty in the game, reliever anyway. And so if if that goes from being like kind of unusable against left-handed pitching to, hey, that's serviceable, we'll take that, And Kepler becomes sort of that just everyday beast. There's a very high ceiling on Max. I think he's going to make multiple all-star games. And right now you're already seeing Paul Molitor as he looks to find somebody to bat behind Miguel Sano and see if he can't get him a few more fastballs and get him a few more pitches to hit rather than just issuing free passes all the time. Against right-handed pitching, he's putting Max Kepler behind there. That says an awful lot about what the manager thinks about Kepler right now.
0: Yeah, and uh, not much more to be said there. You're, everything you said is spot on. Just, Let, just nailed it. Which brings me to observation number three from the Twins' blowout win over the Orioles. And these are all bigger picture things that don't, that don't really right. – th- these aren't just from the game. But Robbie Grossman had another good game. He got on base a few times, and he hit a home run in that game. Everybody did. I can't remember. I think he might have hit a home run, too. <laughs> But Robbie Grossman is one of the most underrated hitters in the league, in the league, going back to the beginning of 2016. In fact, did you hear this segment on our radio show today, or am I going to ask a trivia question that you might be guessing at? I heard it, but... okay. Go ahead anyways. Ro- okay, so for listeners, I'll, give you, like, I'll, give, you, for I'll give you a few beats if you're a listener out there. Were you trying to catch me not listening to your show? <laughs> I think most days that'd be safe. How many, how many hitters in the American League, going back to the beginning of last year, would you guess have a better on-base percentage than Robbie Grossman? I'll give you five seconds. Think about that. American League hitters, better on-base percentage than Robbie Grossman since the beginning of last year.
1: And keep in mind, we're talking about 500-plus plate appearances now.
0: The answer is three. One of them is retired. Mike Trout, Josh Donaldson, and David Ortiz. The only three guys that have a higher on base percentage in the American League than Robbie Grossman. 393 OBP, and it's actually up over 400 through the first couple months this season. And he's such a nondescript guy, and he was I felt like, and I was guilty of this, he was kind of a punchline last year because they picked him up off waivers, and he doesn't really have a position that that uh, that you feel comfortable putting him at on a daily basis. And he just keeps grinding out at bats, getting on base almost half the time, mm-hmm. hitting for some power, but not extraordinary power. Just a really good, nondescript, under-the-radar hitter who has a higher on-base percentage than Miguel Cabrera going back to last year. Yeah, uh, JD Martinez like under the radar
1: because he's got uh, in that time top ten walk rate. Right now he's walking in like twenty one percent of his appearance. I think if you go back to last year it's it's more like fifteen and a half percent walk mm-hmm. rate. Um, but that's top ten. Uh, at least it was when I checked the other day. Uh, did you did you? Um, so I'm gonna redeem myself a little bit here because i always feel like i have to steal back points credibility points and stuff like that um both on your show this podcast definitely on twitter i'm always having to steal back credibility points but i got a lot of heat this winter for everyone's like oh you're the robbie grossman guy you're the robbie grossman guy
0: yeah you hear his name and people oh god
1: in fact can i tell you a behind the scenes story that i haven't i haven't told uh publicly yet um well, can I?
0: Oh, yes. Go. Yes. Go. No, actually. Um, We're running out. Of t- observation number four. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah.
1: Apologies to Matt Damon. We are uh, running out. I suppose on this podcast, it'd be apologies to Johnny Damon. Wow. Um, wow. Thank you. But uh, wow. so I was this is I'm kind of making fun of myself here before I brag about myself. OK, so I was doing a column last week that literally the headline was Robbie Grossman is better than you think because. You're right. It's it's a punchline. It's like people are like, Oh yeah, just <laughs> scrap heap Robbie Grossman, they got off where is he out in the minor leagues with the I, Indians? I remember because
0: I follow the at fifteen hundred ESPN the at replies yeah. on my tweet deck feed. And so I remember very specifically that headline posting from our Twitter account. Right. And the first two or three replies were all very similar. No, he's not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or he, I said, Robbie Grossman's <laughs> better than you think, and one guy just said, No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. Well, all right. you must properly appreciate walk rate then. It's congratulations. <laughs> uh, they are they're making fun of him and totally justified. Go look at the column. I definitely outlined this. He's a bad outfielder. Robbie Grossman, especially since he became a twin, is a bad outfielder. Now, defensive metrics from his time in Houston suggest he's he's actually better than he's played. But, I mean, we're talking a big enough sample of innings here where I look out and I say, yeah, there's not a lot there as a corner outfielder. But... As a designated hitter, and especially just from one side of the plate, he's fantastic. And uh, I, so so here's the whole story. And to, to any of my reporter friends, I hope I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm sorry. But I asked Molitor. Um, they were talking about the DH competition, and somebody asked, uh, you know, what do you think about Vargas? And is he really ready to just embrace that role and run with it? And... Then somebody asked about Byung-Ho Park, and, well, when does he factor into it, and, well, are there any other hitters that you're sitting here thinking about? And nobody asked about Robbie Grossman, who's this team's best designated hitter. And then someone asked a question that had nothing to do with it. The topic had changed, but I was like, no, wait,
0: hold on. Actually, wait. someone asked about a player who had, who had died in the 40s, <laughs> like, you know— Do you think Willie
1: Mays would make a good designated hitter for this team? (laughs) Ted Williams, he had a high on-base percentage. Do you think he'd be good for this? Yeah, I do. Um, So I I was like, I sensed my moment fleeting, and Phil, you've been in this spot too, so so I'll – I'll try and uh, get you to empathize with me because I'm not sure how many listeners I always
0: seize the moment, but so I don't empathize with this. Okay,
1: so you would have shouted down the much yeah. more veteran reporter and said, hold on, I'm not done asking about told, Robbie Grossman. I would have
0: told Lavelle and Phil Miller and Mike Berardino, you guys are missing the entire boat. In fact, you're all fired. Just double uh, birds yeah. to the room? No,
1: it wasn't any of those guys. But someone asked a different question, moving on with the topic, different topic. But, but I I's like, oh
0: oh,
1: I'm working on a Robbie Grossman story. I would love to know, here's my thought process, I would love to know Paul Mulder's thoughts on, yeah, he's sort of a pigeonholed player, like there's limited, but Mulder, I think, has done a great job using Robbie Grossman. He's done fantastic at finding the right matchups, limiting his exposure in the outfield, which is a big thing, and I want to know, yeah, what are your thoughts on getting this guy who no one really expected anything, and now he's a 400 on-base percentage guy? What do you think about his contribution over the last year? And I asked it in about the dumbest way you could possibly imagine. I said, hey, Molly, did you uh, – keep in mind we're off the designated hitters conversation now. So, Molly, did you know that the one-year anniversary of Robbie Grossman becoming a twin is coming up this week? Wow is one of those things that you say it and you're like no 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 get, no 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 no, give me all of those words back i don't want this to come out did you get him a card for his one year <laughs> anniversary molly <laughs> i was jo- i was joking with grossman later and i said happy one year you know like it's coming up and and i'm not joking the entire room every reporter the manager the PR guys that were in the room all just laughed at me, and I didn't get an answer to the question. That was just the end of the press conference because they're like, okay, now we've dev- delved, we've devolved into – Once we reach talk- the Robbie Grossman <laughs> portion
0: of the proceedings
1: – Not only the Robbie Grossman, but the Robbie Grossman freaking one-year anniversary as if that <laughs> matters at all.
0: So I, I was like – Man,
1: that was about that was one of my low points for sure over the last 365 days of covering the Twins of struggling to answer the Robbie Grossman question, but So
0: as good as Robbie Grossman has been and as underrated as he is, uh he doesn't warrant more than 6 minutes on a podcast. So that's the end of the Robbie Grossman <laughs> portion of this podcast. Some
1: people said he didn't warrant the column, but
0: I disagree. But, uh observation number 3, Tyler Duffy who threw 19 pitches in two innings last mm-hmm. night, eighteen of them strikes. By the way, at one point he was like fifteen of fifteen throwing strikes, so just mowing everyone down. Tyler Duffy is not a fluke as a setup guy. No, velocity goes up in one or two innings. I know there's some people looking at his performance in the bullpen saying, "Well, they need a number four and a number five starter right now." They don't. Like, who do you really trust in this rotation? I guess if you trust Mejia to be in that four spot that he's kind of figured it out and I think there's some promise there yeah. then you would only need a number 5 starter if your choices are one what you're getting in the bullpen from Robbie Gr- from right, there it is from from Tyler Duffy <laughs> he's on the, on the Robbie brain. Grossman of relievers <laughs> if if your choices are Tyler Duffy in his current role current amount of innings or Tyler Duffy but he has to be a starter facing a lineup for a third time yeah, no. with only two viable pitches I'm taking 7th, 8th inning version of Tyler Duffy, yeah. and I'm just figuring out that 5th starter spot with something else. you found something that works. I'm flip-flopping on
1: this, or it's going to sound like I'm flip-flopping. I'm not. Um, Similar situation that the Twins have been in with Trevor May for the last two years. And my adamant proclamation that whole time was, Trevor May is a starter who you're miscasting as a reliever, and he can be successful in that role if you just let him. Now, Tyler Duffy's gone out there found some early success. I agree. I I like Tyler Duffy in the bullpen and I'm saying leave it alone. Let don't yeah. don't mess up a good thing. For starters, it would take about 3 weeks to get him stretched out back into a starting workload. So you'd, I mean give him a long relief outing, and then option him to Rochester, even though he's been uh, great? Based like,
0: on his starting track record, you'd only have to stretch him out to about three and two-thirds. Wow. So it wouldn't be... Wow. It wouldn't be. <laughs> so, God, that was such a sorry. cheap shot. he's really good in the seventh and the eighth innings, and I don't mean to diminish that. He's a good dude, and you're just out here crapping all over. Well, but the thing is, there's. I've talked to Glenn Perkins about this, because almost every really good reliever at some point was deemed a failed, quote-unquote, yeah. starter. Yeah, yeah. That you, Wade that, Davis. That, that we'd rather you be – yeah, Wade Davis. Wade Davis
1: didn't make it as a starting pitcher. Right.
0: We'd rather you be a starter, but, oh, you failed, and so now we're going to try this other thing. Well, you can still make millions of dollars doing sure. the other thing, and you can still help win ball games. in some ways just as often, if not more often, depending sure. on what role you're in. If you're wow. coming out and putting out fires 50 times a year, you're helping contribute – to a lot of wins, so this, and you're a rich man at this point. You can make $6 million right. a year as a seventh-inning guy well, today.
1: Well, and that's what I was—this is just an aside. I don't want to focus on this. I'll get back to his on-field performance, but Tyler Duffy's already done well financially because he's one of the guys that did that—remember that deal where that's right. those companies bought out future earnings of several major league players? Tyler Duffy's one of them, so he's already got a percentage of his—whatever his future earnings will be— to, all of these guys, if you're smart with money, you're set for life. If, if you made it to the big leagues, provided you weren't in like mountains of debt to get there, you're set financially for life. If you are comfortable with a certain lifestyle, whatever. But like Duffy is a bit of a weird case because unlike Taylor Rogers, like Taylor Rogers is going to go through the typical couple years team control, three years arbitration, maybe get to free agency and strike it big. Tyler Duffy, kind of like, he's fine. You know, he's okay. He's going to make more money the better the player he is, of course. Um, So, anyway, that was just an aside. But on the bullpen front, I think that May is a starter because he has four pitches. They both kind of have, like, the big body durability. You'd like to say durability. We haven't seen that from May, really. But, like, in a scouting term he's like a big body workload shouldn't be an issue we've already seen Tyler Duffy in the past workload not an issue because how impressive was it when he was getting up toward 200 innings for the first time in his professional life and he was one of the only two trustworthy starters at the end of the 2015 season it was he and Irvin Santana were going one and two and you couldn't trust anybody else and they almost made the postseason that was impressive to me and with that being said I still see him as more of a reliever for two main reasons one is that I really only think he has two pitches. It's kind of the fastball and the knockout curveball. And the curveball's great, don't get me wrong. But when you're a starter, you kinda, you're kind of you setting up a lineup. First time through, you're kind of like a fastball, maybe mixing a changeup just to show them that you have it, throw it for strikes if you can, uh, and, and then the curveball as a strikeout pitch maybe. But you really don't want to have to use a curveball to get a guy out the first time because you know you want to go to that the next time around. If you're facing five hitters in the middle of a game in high-leverage situations... Bam, just go right to the hammer. Don't worry about setting guys up or or just showing them that you can throw a change up for a strike. Nope. Coming right after you, fastball, curveball, curveball, strike three, sit down, you're out. That's something you can do as a reliever, and I think that suits Duffy's skill set well, which is why I've kind of going against my recommendation from last year and the year before that mm-hmm. hey, Trevor May's a really good reliever, probably would be a really good starter. I think Tyler Duffy's a really good reliever probably just leave it at that settled in as a nice back end of the bullpen reliever.
0: Yeah. I trust him right now. I trust Brandon Kinsler to some degree. I think they'll need, they'll need one or two. They'll need a lefty that you trust on a regular basis, whether that's Taylor Rogers or somebody else. And then they'll need that true, call it a closer, call it a firefighter, that Andrew Miller type. If you really want to get into competing with some of the best teams in baseball, that would be the thing you have to trade for or cultivate observation. Number five, and it's these are we're getting to the negative portions of the proceedings. Oh so the twin, God! Here we go. You know, could only give you four positives. Rain on the parade. Byron Buxton, while hitting two balls hard, including a hit last night and a stolen base, is sort of back to being pull happy again. If you watch his swing, yeah, he's he was feeling really good there for about two or three weeks, and then somewhere along the line, he just he saw other guys hitting home runs. or I don't know what it is, and you can tell he's his hips flying open. I'm just an amateur hitting coach, but. You can just sort of see it watching on TV. Mm-hmm. Fastballs that he was hitting for two or three weeks to opposite field or up the middle, he's now trying to pull those fastballs, and he's out in front of the breaking ball, and that's why he's striking out. He's check-swinging a lot more often. Yeah. So can they get him back to – and he's still – you know, he's he's he had a hit last night. He hasn't been a train wreck. Batting average is still within smelling distance of the Mendoza line after that terrible start. <laughs> I think he's going to be fine. They're not going to have to send him down, but it's something to watch. Just, he needs to – Rain it in a little bit and start thinking up the middle right field more often.
1: I've heard spitting distance, but how far is smelling
0: distance? Does it? Did I say it, a whiff? No, you said he, he's within uh, smelling distance of the Mendoza yeah, he can line. can smell it. Mendoza was a smelly guy. Totally. Guy yeah. had body odor. That's what I've heard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I agree
1: that there are going to be some concerns with Buxton, and like I don't think of a player ever as being a finished product. So, as long as he embraces that work, like as long as, as long as, it, and, and I don't sense this from him. There's not this like sense of entitlement, like, oh, I made it. Yeah. I've, I was hitting 280 for three weeks. Like, I'm the man. It's, he's not like that. If it was like that, I'd be a little more concerned. But I think even a guy like Miguel Sano, who you just mentioned at the top, AL MVP candidate right now, no joke. He's going to play in the All Star game. No joke. He's still adjusting week to week. Um, and, and that's kind of, I view that as a really critical turning point for a ball player is everyone gets to that spot. Eventually the spot that says you and me got to this before we reached the major leagues where somebody sits you down and says, you're not good enough. Okay. Now as a major leaguer, once you've gotten there, it's, you're not good enough at this. Here's how we recommend changing it. Some guys will fold their arms and say, I didn't need that advice to get to the big leagues, bro. And I don't know why they're all bro guys, but it seems like those those defiant types are all kind of bro guys. But or, then or Meng. It could Meng. be a Meng. Meng. I don't know. Or dude. I don't I don't I don't know. None of those really seep into my vernacular sure. very often. But then there's the other kind of player, which is the majority of big leaguers, I think. Brian Dozier's this way. Um Trevor Plouffe was this way. Miguel Sano already is this way. Irvin Santana's this way hey, you're not good enough at this. Here's something that we'd recommend, or this is why we think this could get better. And do you want to embrace that work? You, you've got to be smart enough to to know when someone doesn't know what they're talking about. So be like, okay, that's nice nice advice wet more, but I'm not taking that. But if James Rousen comes up to you and says, hey, I've been seeing this and let's just talk about it. And is that Is that something you think is going to help you succeed? I I view it as holding you back maybe. Would that be something you'd be amenable to change? And there are guys that say, nope, this is my swing. But then there are guys who say, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, yeah, if we do this tweak that you're talking about, will it help me with that inside fastball? That's something I've been struggling with lately. And Buxton, to me, just to make a long point longer, he seems to me to be the kind of guy that embraces that work and says, yeah, what do I need to tweak to get that – Make that next step. Max Kepler's definitely this kind of guy. It's one of the reasons I'm buying so much Kepler stock. Oh, you're right. I'm not very good at hitting lefties. What are some of the ways that I can get better against that side? I just want to be a better hitter. And the guys that embrace that ongoing challenge, that continual evolution, that will literally last until the day you retire – Those are the ones that I view as successful ballplayers. Well,
0: that's an interesting segue to observation number six. You're welcome. Speaking of works in progress and guys who need to adjust and evolve. Are you going to rip on the podcast? I feel like we've been working hard lately. Uh, No, I'm just going to rip you, actually. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm doing great on this podcast, and I have nothing to learn at all.
1: I brought brought six thoughts, But you, on the other hand,
0: yeah. Uh, Kyle Gibson came up sort of an emergency call up because they just there's they're short they have injuries yeah. and I think they'd rather have sent him down for longer than what what did he make two starts for AAA Rochester. So my final observation here and these are all big picture applicable is that we need to officially lay to rest the pitcher win as a statistic.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. Last night... I'm on board with this. Our
0: friends, I, I believe it was the FSM postgame show, sort of lauding Kyle Gibson for hanging in there and picking up the win. Okay, if Kyle Gibson getting a win last night is how you want to measure success, that that's, doesn't matter what how many runs you gave up as long as you came out of the game when your team was ahead or you came out of the game and then your team took a lead... And that happens if right. you if you vulch one out in, in the sixth inning if you're a reliever. That's not how I want to measure success. And I know that the people who listen to this podcast probably aren't measuring you know, pitcher value off wins. Yeah. Um, but last night, Kyle Gibson hindered the twins' chances to win that game, put them down five to nothing, and if they were just to score a regular amount of runs, four or five runs, they would have lost because Kyle Gibson was terrible.
1: How many times did they lose that game? Like Ninety-five percent. Oh yeah, I mean they gave up
0: five. Well, he gave up six runs, right? Wasn't it actually in six runs in five innings, or six runs in six, or whatever it was? Uh, So it it actually reminds me of the 2010 American League Cy Young ballot. And if you remember this, you would have been—I was 11, so you get close. You would have been in college, I think, right? 2010. um, There was an actual debate between Felix Hernandez, Mariners, and CC Sabathia, Yankees. And this debate oh, right here, sure, I and Patrick that. Royce and I had a radio show together, and he's old school, and he was baseball, he still is, a BBWA member and, and a voter on a lot of these things. I don't think he had a Cy Young vote that year. And I, and that was, to me, that was all I personally ever needed to just throw wins out. Like I don't, I don't, I don't care about wins anymore because of this debate. Felix Hernandez or CC Sabathia? Well, let's compare resumes. Well, Felix's ERA was a full run lower than CeCe's. Felix had 40 more strikeouts, three times as many complete games, 30 fewer base runners allowed. He threw 250 innings that season, too, in case volume was an issue. It wasn't with Felix. But CC had 20 wins with the Yankees because the Yankees scored 350 more runs than the Mariners did that season. And people punished Felix Hernandez... Because he only had 13 wins on the season. He should have picked a better offense. He should have. He should have picked one.
1: At the start of the year, when you get to decide your teammates, he should have picked better ones. If only he had Robbie
0: Grossman in his lineup. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me.
1: Double XP and Call of Duty points?
0: This is incredible. I can't believe it. That's- Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit gaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. Residence 17+. plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and twenty and 23.